The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you uh, for listening with us today. I am very glad that you've joined us, and uh, we're going to have another great program today, and I know that you're going to be inspired and get some practical ideas, and uh, it's going to touch your life, open your heart, and move you into a greater expansion of your spiritual consciousness. So I want to thank you um, again for listening, and thank you also for uh, liking our Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. Thank you for participating and posting on there. Thanks for your emails and letting me know um, how it's going for you in your recovery and your spirituality walk. And I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your spiritual community, your unity community, your recovery communities, everybody that you know, your family, know about us here on Spirit of Recovery, and uh, that's just great. I love broadcasting on the topic of spirituality and recovery right here on Unity Online Radio, and I love knowing that what we're doing here is making a difference in your life and touching your heart. Every week, we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. My guests are people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people and uh, that we're always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You know, you can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can listen live via your computer, via your smart device. You can go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. You can... Um, if you have an Alexa-enabled device, you can ask Alexa to play Unity Online Radio and find Spirit of Recovery. You can listen on um, iTunes, just a lot of ways that you can listen. Also, you can listen to our podcast. They um, are, when we finish with the broadcast, within 30 minutes, generally speaking, that podcast is up on our Spirit of Recovery um, webpage, and that is www.unityonlineradio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery. And you can go there and listen to the most recent program, or you can listen. we got years' worth of great podcasts on there, so you can listen at your leisure. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place and so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction uh, or you're just curious about the process of recovery, you are welcome here. And I'm glad you're here and you're welcome uh, to ask any questions or make comments on the, to my guest uh, on our topic of the day. And you can do that via email or via the phone. And um, we're just very glad that you're here. And I always want to give a shout out to family members and friends. You know, there are recovery programs and recovery processes and information for families family and friends too. So as a family member or a friend, you can also be in your own recovery from this family disease. And I always uh, try to have family members on here as well. So that's, we do a lot of good stuff here on Spirit of Recovery. Um, I want you to know also that if you like what's happening here on Spirit of Recovery or any of the other great programs on Unity 
FM or Unity, you can get it that way too, but it's uh, unityonlineradio.org. And you'd like to support this nonprofit radio station financially, you can do that. Just text 72727 from your smartphone, text it to Unity Radio, and you can make a one time or a recurring donation. And again, Unity Online Radio is nonprofit, so uh, support is always welcome. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and an addictions counselor, and I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And uh, 35 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. They were a powerful catalyst, and I am grateful because my life uh, is an integration now of unity and recovery principles, and that keeps transforming my life. It keeps me growing and um, got me in touch with my higher power, and I needed to get in touch with my higher power. So I'm glad to have that walk now, and it's because as a family member and friend, because I heeded the advice of people in my life who told me that I needed help um, no matter what my friend was doing. And I took their advice, and I'm grateful for that because it's made a whole difference in my world and in my life. So, again, I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and recovery walk. Today, our topic is right out of the promises in the book Alcoholics Anonymous, and some of you are familiar with that, the promises. And one of the promises is fear of economic insecurity will leave us. And this is the promises that follow when when uh, we work the steps of recovery, when we find that spiritual life and when we clean house, um, connect with our higher power and do the work of clearing out our past and be in the present, that one of those promises is fear of economic insecurity will leave us. And so, uh, you know, recovery does make it possible for us to focus our hearts and our minds on constructive living. And one of those things that that, that means is losing our fear of economic insecurity. And uh, I want to say right up front, there is not a magic formula to getting rich. So if you've heard that, I'm inviting you to let that idea go because it's not true and that's not how it works. However, there are spiritual attitudes that definitely open us up to financial partnership with our higher power because uh, we deserve that sense of security and we deserve that sense of financial well-being that allows us to live our lives and to fulfill our divine purpose. And uh, that's the the point of it is to feel that sense of security, to feel that sense of self-worth and to be able to fulfill our divine purpose. That's what happens as we Practice spiritual attitudes and practices that get us in partnership in our finances as in all areas of our life with our higher power. So my guest today is Greg Barrett, and uh, Greg's been my guest here a few times on Spirit of Recovery, and he's is always inspiring. He always got lots of good stuff to share. So he's going to be sharing with us today spiritual approaches to abundance that bring us into a reassuring and closer relationship with our higher power. And uh, Greg has been practicing spiritual principles for most of his life. He was raised in unity, and uh, he is t- serving today and he has been for many years, for 35 years um, as a unity minister. And he's had the opportunity to be in contact and to learn from lots of wonderful, authentic spiritual teachers. And um, he's uh, formerly, he was the director of the International Youth of Unity. He served as the first vice president of the International New Thought Alliance. And he was elected president of four unity regions and has led some of unity's most successful churches. He has an audio CD, The Gift of Healing and The Gift of Sleeping, and it is unity's all-time bestseller. And Greg is now the senior minister at Unity Northwest Church in Des Plaines, Illinois, which is right outside of Chicago. And you can learn more about his work if you go to that website. It's www.unitynorthwest.org. So, Greg, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thanks for being my guest. Well, thank you, Anna, for all you do in such a practical way to really uh, help people who are recovering or interested in recovery it was such practical steps. It's everything you share is so useful. Yay! Thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Good. So, you're going to talk to us about how we don't have to be scared about money anymore. That's a good one. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that is a, an effect, and the cause is uh, uh, practicing our spiritual principles, practicing our recovery. Um, but I think the, the underlying question is, um, is, uh, is, is prosperity spiritual? And there's a, there's a bit of a debate that's gone on on that. You know, a lot of people have an attitude that it is divorced from our recovery or divorced from our uh, spiritual growth, that our prosperity is somehow something we hold separate and apart even from our higher power because it's tainted because it's materialistic. But I'm saying that materialism uh, and prosperity are two different things. Materialism is rooted in things, and prosperity is rooted in the spiritual experience of life. And materialism complicates life, gives you more stuff to fill your closets with, and it makes you so bloated that you can't get through the eye of the needle like that camel that Jesus talked about. And prosperity simplifies and helps you to to live your life in a, in a much more efficient way because you have the wherewithal to make the choices that will support your recovery and your spiritual growth. Wow, I love that. That that definitely is a, a big distinction. And as as you say, I think there's uh, confusion about that everywhere. And and certainly, as you say, in spiritual circles, people get that kind of all twisted up and are trying to sort that out. Give us an example of what would be a materialistic idea and what would be a prosperous idea. Well, I remember years ago, I went to a minister's conference, if you can believe it, in the uh, Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas. <laughs> and Ooh, all and, right. <laughs> and I, I went to check in, and they said, we don't have, the guy was having fun with me, he said, we don't have any rooms uh, available, sir, They're, we're all filled up, filled up. and I, I looked a little sad, and he said, but we've got a, a suite that we can put you in, and it was palatial, it was like, you know, twice the size of where I lived, and uh, of course, I didn't know anybody, you know, I was, I was kind of in that thing. I found out later that right upstairs from me was Howard Hughes. Like literally on the next floor, immediately above me, and there he was growing his fingernails and you know his own yeah. addiction issues and everything else. And I think that you know it's the old uh, Peggy Lee song, "Is that all there is?" Uh, if anybody can remember that, uh, is that all there is to to materialism? I mean, when when you when you get it all, um, it it doesn't make you any happier. Um, uh, there was a poll recently that that um, a study that showed that. Uh, 5% of the people in the lowest tax bracket were happy and satisfied with their lives, and 6% of the people in the highest tax bracket. There's a 1% bump there. <laughs> so it's, it, materialism is rooting your, your yourself in things, and Jesus said, don't seek after things, but seek after the inner spiritual experience, the kingdom of heaven. Um, and yet there's that other side to it. A lot of people think that... Um, that uh, uh, somehow the, you, the spiritual growth is 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 divorced from uh, uh, dealing with with money and prosperity. But I remember hearing a Buddhist monk from Southeast Asia, and uh, he'd come to the United States and he was teaching, and he said, you know, and when I was coming up through the Buddhist tradition, uh, part of our initiation was we were to go out into the jungle where there were tigers and other very dangerous animals and meditate. Uh, for a period of time and, uh, you know, to deal with our fears and, um, and to know we were taken care of. And he said, but here I am in the United States. You don't have tigers. You have money. <laughs> and those are, those are, that's our initiation experience. We actually grow more, many of us, spiritually through letting go of our fears about money than we might uh, through, you know, showing up in church on Sunday mornings and uh, doing all the things that we think are religious. Mm-hmm. Talk more about that. How How is it that money is like a tiger? Well, uh, people have as much fear around money as they do around wild animals in another culture. Um, we think we're going to be, um, you know, eaten alive. And uh, and the only, the only solution, the only cure to that fear is to know that we are taken care of, protected, not according to our own dictates, but according to the will and the um, perceptions of, the, of our higher power. Um, and I, I, I found, I found a, a little article by James Dillett Freeman that I'd love to, to, to quote. I don't know if you need to sure. take a break right now. It's very short. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, 
it's just a little excerpt. It's called Praying for Things. And just the first couple of paragraphs, he says, um, I said to my master, tell me about things. Is it wrong to pray for things? And my master said, it is wrong not to pray for things. If prayer is right, then there should be no aspect of a living that we could not pray about. Pray about things, and you will find that you have the things that you need, and you also have the attitude toward things that you need. And I think that's um, that 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 really says it right there. I've heard even people in unity say, "Well, you should never mention material or any other needs in prayer." That um, somehow, I remember hearing this one minister saying to a group of teenagers at a youth conference, um, if you had a friend and all they did was ask for things, would they truly be a friend? And it really upset a lot of these kids because they needed help and they prayed about those very material things and those other things they were dealing with. And they felt like they were being told they couldn't do that. So I got up the next day and kind of said something controversial. I said, you know, it is true that if all you did was ask your friend for things, you wouldn't be a friend. But if you never asked for any help when you needed it, you wouldn't be a friend either. There's a balanced viewpoint. It's not materialistic. It isn't you know, voodoo trying to, to uh, placate God in the sky to give you good things. That's, that's a materialistic view of religion. But it's a way of, of giving thanks in advance for the things that you need. And as James Lord Freeman said, you, you'll have the things you need, and you'll also be given the attitude towards those things that you need. Right. What is an attitude toward things that's helpful? Well, when Jesus said live in the world but not of the world, what he was saying uh, was, you know, navigate through the waters of life, but don't let the water get into your boat. You know, just know that you're living in a material world, but it isn't what defines you. I don't know why it's popping into my head, but I remember taking the tour of the Harry Truman House in Independence, Missouri. Have you ever been there? Yes, I have. Uh huh. Right, the one and, where he grew up, his boyhood home. No, no, that one's down in Grandview, um, and that's wonderful too. I've been there, but uh, Independence is where you know he lived for many, many decades at the end of his life, uh, uh, from yeah. before he became president, and. Um, you know, this was their house, and it was a uh, of its era. It was, a, it was a large house, but when you walked around in it, it was um, it was very modest. But they were they were abundant. They were wealthy, but they were wealthy in a non material way. He had all his books. He had his grand piano. He had what he truly needed. But uh, the, the the tour guide, the ranger, uh, pointed at the the sofa, and there were slip covers on it, and uh, she said. When them, they didn't remove the slip covers, <laughs> you know. And 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 we were in the kitchen. She said, "Can you imagine the first lady currently uh, um, being in this kitchen?" But it's not that they were uh, living in in poverty or that they were, you know, living in a, a, a an experience of lack. They had everything they needed, and I think that trusting our higher power to provide us with what we need. And uh, to do so in an experience of abundance is is a healthy spiritual response to the material needs of life. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, when uh, what's uh, on my in my thoughts right now is that um, when people are in active addiction, whether uh, again whether uh, one might be the person that has a substance addiction or. Uh, Sometimes a behavioral addiction, which in itself creates can create financial chaos, or whether one's the family. There are lots of different things that can happen around money and materiality in active addiction. Obviously, one thing is that um, you know you you end up in lots of money with many problems and lots of debt. Um, that can happen because of. You know, if you're in active addiction the, in, or in the family, you, you may not be working or you may be so stressed if you're the family member that you're not working. Or you may be, if you are in active addiction around debting, obviously that's a, a problem around gambling. That's a, a problem that obviously the money's uh, going out fast and not coming in as fast. Um, so there can be that sense that you lose money. On the other hand, sometimes in active addiction, sometimes people can stay. They may have a lot of money. Um, and it 
it may be that they're spending it in ways that are, you know, feeding the addiction and uh, creating problems or they may be wanting to to make money in ways that are illegal or that are problematic or dishonest or whatever. So people come into recovery from a lot of places uh, uh, around money. And and sometimes I guess maybe it is a, too big of an issue one way or the other, but usually it is. So given that people come into recovery, maybe from different experiences, either from being staying high rollers or, or really sinking into to a pit there around it, what's something that initially would be helpful um, in terms of thinking about working with money and your higher power and your recovery process? What would be a good kind of starting place that would be helpful for anybody, no matter what what your past had been when when you or your family was in active addiction? Well, I think that assuming that um, your recovery, that working on your recovery itself is probably the single best thing you can do for your financial bottom line. And I know that's um, kind of, it, it might be challenging to people to think about, but um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of misinterpretation of something that people call the law of attraction. And they think mm-hmm. the law of attraction means that you force your, personal will on the universe and you get what you want. But that's, I heard a definition once that I can buy into, which is that the law of attraction says you don't get what you want, you get who you are. Uh-huh. And I, I love that. Now that's what I can sign on with. And who you are is that, that, that recovering soul that is practicing the steps and the principles and the healthier you get, the more you will, you could say, on a spiritual level, generate the magnetism to, to, to attract that which resonates with the who that you are or becoming, but also um, that you, you know, clear away those 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 perceptual cobwebs, and then you can see the opportunities that are there, and um, also it, uh, you're not you don't have the outflow that's going towards your addiction, and you have the the time and the energy that you were spending on your addiction. Um, that is now freed up to uh, creative pursuits like earning a living or doing those creative things that tend to generate income in our culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I love that. You don't get what you want, you get who you are. That is so true. That is so true. And, you know, I, I one thing that happens uh, when we get in recovery <clears throat> is that we start finding our self-worth. And to me, the self-worth is so tied uh, to what we're if we're experiencing our lives as abundant or not. And I think that's following along uh, with what you're just saying there. So <clears throat> as as I understand that I am worthwhile, then my, what all around me begins to shift because I'm not one way or the other, not blocking blocking out what I need. Yes, if we're in the flow of life, as Eric Butterworth called it, if we're in the flow of life, then our needs are met very naturally. Our needs are met just in, in you know, putting one foot in front of the other and living one day at a time. And it's a non-materialistic thing because your life becomes not uh, so... Um, so so split or bifurcated between between the spiritual and the material. Your spiritual and your material, um, you know, your spiritual practices um, outform as your material needs. Um, and and I think I think part of this is 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 letting go of maybe the things we learned in our religions of our youth that we may be recovering from. You know, the idea uh, misinterpretation of when Jesus said, "Love of money is the root of all evil." Or you can't serve two masters, God and money. Well, it's actually God and mammon, which was the Philistine god of materiality to whom they sacrificed their babies. I mean, that, and that's, I think, symbolizes we sacrifice our life force energy to get materialism. And uh, when Jesus said you can't serve two masters, that's if you, you set aside your material needs, your financial needs, as something other than or counter to or in opposition to your spiritual needs. But when you see it all as one whole, then you can fulfill what he said is if you seek first that kingdom, all these material things will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. And it uh, goes back to what you said a moment ago, Greg, about the uh, importance of putting 
one's recovery first, and, and that certainly is something that anybody that walks into the, any recovery rooms of, of whatever kind is going to hear that, is put your own recovery first. And it can seem like, well, wait a minute, I need to go fix this problem over here. But wise sponsors or, or wise whoever you're talking to, mentors, will say, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's an issue, and if you focus on your own recovery and address that problem from that place, then you'll create a solution. But if you go running off trying to fix that thing and not grounding in your recovery, you just it's you're not gonna it's not gonna work. Yeah, then you're separating your your physical needs from your spiritual source, and that's not spiritual. Um, you know, I've even seen in, in in meetings where people, and I'm not criticizing what people do with the Our Father, with the Lord's Prayer. But I know I've had one person explain it to me that they didn't feel comfortable praying, give us this day our daily bread, because bread was materialistic, and you shouldn't be praying for daily bread. So they, you know, come up with daily grace or daily peace or daily something. Well, the word for bread that he used was was manna, which is which is that 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 spiritual bread that showed up on the ground with Moses and the children of Israel one day at a time. So it's the actual literal word meant bread one day at a time sufficient for that day. So basically trusting God to meet those material needs. And it's important that Jesus included one line in his prayer that addressed that need and said, you know, we're sourcing, you need to source in God to meet those material needs, whether those needs are paying your rent or paying off your debts or getting the the bread on your table. And just like with the children of Israel and Moses, if they tried to um, hold on to that, that manna, it, it, it wouldn't last more than one day. It was something that you trust in the moment that your needs are met. And uh, so it's a, it's a really spiritual thing that I think some people don't, um, they don't fully um, value the, the 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 meaning that he, that he put into that prayer. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. That prayer is so amazing and so rich when you look, really look at it and and uh, pray it and study it and learn about the deeper meanings and really open to it in your own life. It it's an amazing prayer and uh, it's about trust. You know what you're talking about is trust and and. Inactive addiction, when people are, when any of us are in active addiction or active family disease, trust is like a dirty word. It's like, no, thank you. I don't trust anything or anybody except maybe what (laughs) I think I can cook up myself here. So that's interesting that you're talking about that really is trust is a recovery uh, practice and an abundance practice. When you trust, you're really getting in touch with your higher power in a really um, direct way because you have such a need in that moment that to let go of your fear just long enough to plug into that higher power may be the most spiritual thing you're doing all day. Right. Yeah, that's a good point because it's, it's relational and and. Recovery is about relationship. Active addiction, active family disease is about isolation and cutting off and and hiding and whatever. But recovery is about connection and relationship with yourself, with your higher power, with other people. Yeah, and 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 sourcing in that relationship and understanding that you aren't cut off and you aren't. Ha- Right. Yeah. So right. one of the one of the issues is is uh, that that comes up for people is um, the idea that that our having is separate from our being, and the truth is that um, the source of being, our higher power, is always meeting our needs in every now moment, and and when we see the flow of, of our, our prosperity as flowing from the being that we are into the doing of, you know, earning the money or whatever we've got to do, take steps, and then showing up as, as, as the having, that becomes the, 
the 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 mind idea expression, the outforming of of that 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 higher power as our source. That's right. That's a good point. Yeah, and and that comes from that sense, I think, of wholeness and, and completion that is a part of recovery. That's a, what grows in recovery is that sense that we're whole, that we're worthwhile, and um, we don't have to be tricky in order to get our needs met. Addiction is all about being tricky. And Yeah. You can be yeah. stupid and clever. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and recovery is about, no, I'm worth it. I am whole. I am what I have and who I am is one. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's time for our break. Um, we're going to take a break just for a few minutes. So um, listeners, stay with us. We'll be right back. And again, our topic today is straight out of one of the promises from the book Alcoholics Anonymous called Fear of Economic Insecurity Will Leave Us. And um, my guest is Greg Barrett, Unity Minister, um, writer, someone who practices spiritual principles deeply and he is talking with us about what real abundance is and what it is to partner with a higher power to um, find that security and that connection and to fulfill our divine purpose so stay with us we'll be right back on spirit of recovery If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Available, you pray the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With you pray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With you pray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. You pray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends, plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free you pray app and links to download. Visit silentunity.org slash app. That's silentunity.org slash app. away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio, the teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. Thanks for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share... Call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host. And our topic today is fear of economic insecurity will leave us. We're talking about how we can partner with our higher power, uh, with our finances and our abundance and therefore lose that uh, sense of fear and anxiety that we get about money and, and live in that place of security and knowing that we are enough and we have enough and that um, our higher power provides for us and we can fulfill our divine purpose. My guest is Greg Barrett. Greg is a unity minister and has been for over 35 years. He is a person who deeply practices spiritual principles and um, who is a uh, is a writer and has recorded some uh, great CDs, The Gift of Healing and Sleeping, and uh, you can get that from Unity. And uh, he's also the senior minister at Unity Northwest Church in Des Plaines, Illinois. And you can go to unitynorthwest.org and learn more about him and his work. And uh, you can see his – he uh, puts his uh, Sunday talks up online, and you can uh, access those also from that website. So before I get back to my – uh, conversation with Greg, I'd invite you to join me for a moment of the Serenity Minute, an opportunity to relax, to let go, to make conscious contact with your higher power. So I invite you to relax and feel that peaceful presence of your higher power as you relax from the crown of your head and feel relaxation moving all the way through your body temple, being aware of your breath and your heart and just allowing your breath to open and your heart to open and share with me this constructive idea. I am loved by my higher power. I am safe and all that I need is right at hand. I am loved by my higher power. I am safe and all that I need is right at hand. And so we take now just a moment in the quiet. an opportunity for you to relax, to let go, and open up to the power, the love, and the presence of your higher power. And now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Greg Barrett, and we're talking about fear of economic insecurity will leave us. So, uh, Greg, in the first part of our program today, we were uh, talking about a lot of different ideas about attitudes that are really helpful and what does it mean to uh, feel that abundance, to feel and be connected with uh, your higher power as your source. And give us some practical ideas now. What are some practices that we can actually do that, that foster and expand that connection? Well, I think uh, creating a relationship, as you said Recovery is about the relationship with yourself and, and others and your higher powers. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor, and love yourself. And that that is really the answer to addiction, which is trying to fill a God-sized hole with something else, whether it's you know, codependency or a substance or a behavior. And so it's really uh, every time we pray and every time we meditate and every time we um, you know, as, as Paul said, think on these things, these these good, true, and beautiful things, the spiritual truths. We, we when we read our our recovery material, we read our daily word. We're shifting our thinking, our whole consciousness, from trying to fill a god sized hole with things to getting in touch with God as that that fulfillment. And so we shift from that. Uh, what Jesus called the world, the the view that 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 we're sourcing in the world, which which is thinking if I can just have more, then I'm going to do more, and then I can be more. But every time we pray and meditate, it shifts us to say, no, I'm going to be more in this prayer and this meditation and this reading of 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 this recovery book. I'm going to be more, and then I can do more out of that being, and it'll end up I'll have more. But I'm not trying to fill that 
God-sized hole with even activities that seem good or with material things. But instead, going into prayer, going into meditation, having that discipline, you know, disciple really comes from the same root as discipline, having the discipline necessary to generate that beingness experience, that relationship, that then outforms as the doing and the having. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's really powerful. It's true. It's all about beingness. All about beingness. So what's a another a practical idea that people can um use? Like I know sometimes people talk about, well, what's your vision, you know, like Writing down your vision. I don't know. Does that work? Yeah, I think that that is um, the relation with yourself and with the higher power in you and finding out, you know, what is my purpose? What is people, you know, nowadays in business world, and I think it's a good thing. They talk a lot about mission and a lot of people talk about vision and they talk about your your purpose. And I think that, that for an individual, actually, it's true for a corporation as well. It's really where that place where three things intersect. And they are your passion, something you're really passionate about. Uh, the second is something you're really good at, that you, you really have some ability to do. And the third is it's something that the world needs, that there is a market for, I suppose you say, in the world, and it's not necessarily talking about a career thing, but 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 that can be when you when you ask yourself, well, what am I passionate about? What 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 makes my heart stir? My deepest spiritual aspirations stir. What am I passionate about? And then you ask, well, what am I good at? What what can I do? Maybe uniquely, maybe something I do that unique to me. I'm 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 good at. Maybe it's just listening, being a, listen, a good listener or having, you know, compassion for others. And the third is that there's a need in the world for it, that there actually are other people who could benefit from it. And when you, when you find where those three, your passion, what you're good at and what the world needs, where, where they intersect, that's, that's a good place to begin crafting a mission, a vision, you know, a lot of people get very dogmatic about the terms, but it's not important. What's really important is that you get clear on, on, on what your vision and your purpose and your mission is. And then, and then you look at your life and your day and you say, is this contributing to this? This thing I'm doing now, is this thought contributing to it or not? And divesting yourself, letting go of those things that don't contribute to, to your your purpose, your mission. And, and really, if possible, coming up with a phrase or a saying or a, uh, you know, a definition for what that purpose is so that you, you can constantly bring yourself back to, yeah, is, is, this, is this fulfilling the, the who that I am, the, my, my reason for being in this world? And if not, you can let it go. Um. You know, sometimes I know you've uh, you've said this to before, Greg, and it's a really good thing. Uh, what does my soul need? Yeah, what does my soul need? And you know that, that that's really moving from material goals to soul goals, and material purpose to soul purpose. Um, and sometimes just asking that question, journaling it, writing it down on a piece of paper. What does my soul need? And then write, I don't know. And then free associate, let the next thing that comes up, write it down and then write down all the negative things that come up because there will always be a lid on it. There's always going to be something blocking it and just journal that out too. And you might find that you receive a letter from God you know, as, you, as you write that out and, and you might be surprised exactly what your purpose is. You know, what is unique to you? You know, what is what? What do you? What is what is a, a good life mean to you? You know, whatever you think a good life is, that's what you're going to create. Is is that new definition or that good definition of the law of attraction? You don't get what you want; you get who you are. You know, it reminds me of it. Uh, do I have time to tell just a little story? Sure. Yeah, we got um, plenty of time. Go ahead. There was a there was a woman um, in in that four T prosperity class at Stratton Smith. I know you've taught it. Um, and um, 
he had everybody repeat the affirmation, I am prosperous, 200 times a day, twice a day, 100 times. And, you know, it's a pretty abstract term, I am prosperous. You know, what, what is your definition of prosperous? I don't know. So anyway, this this woman had, had a two-year-old, and she would say out loud, I, I am prosperous, and she would en- enroll her two-year-old in doing it with her. And so her two-year-old, while she was saying it, would say, I prosperous. I pospis. And they would do this 200 times a day. And after three or four days, you know, the, the little girl was really getting into it. Uh, she noticed that, but she didn't really imagine that the little girl was very clear on what that meant. So she said, hi, do you, honey, do you know what that means? I am prosperous. Yes. What does it mean to you? Cookies. <laughs> And she thought, oh, that's cute. You know, this is really sweet. So later that same day, they went down to the supermarket, and they're going along in a shopping cart. The little girl was small enough that she's sitting in the shopping cart facing the mom. And from the bakery section, there's a woman who calls out to them saying, hey, come over here, will you? And so she came over, and the woman said, do you let your daughter eat cookies? And she said, well, yeah. Well, we overbaked today and gave them a gigantic bag filled with at least a hundred cookies and wow. handed it to the little girl and the little girl wasn't surprised at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, I just love that because that was her understanding of abundance. But, but when we get in touch with, with our abundance being something maybe more than cookies, so really the question is what's your cookie? What's cookies to you? And is it giving and receiving in love? Is it, um, helping other people in recovery? Is it, um, you know, serving people in my bookkeeping business so that, so that they can experience abundance too? I don't know. We, we have to get clear on what our cookie is. Right. That's good. That's really good. So it's, it's sounds like what you're saying too is that one way to get that clarity, uh, is to journal. Maybe to get somebody to listen to you if there's somebody in your world that can listen and not impose their own ideas, but let you talk it out or whatever. But yeah, just getting clear about that. What's, what's my cookie? I love that. It's a great story. Yeah, for sure. Well, what about, um, you know, sometimes too, and this is certainly part of if, if a person's working a 12-step program, this is in there, and it's also a spiritual practice, and it's also something I think we all need to do a lot or throughout our lives, is this forgiveness. How does that fit into prosperity? Well, forgiveness is the roto-rooter that uh, opens up the pipes of receiving. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we, we constrict our, our, our ability to... And when I say receive, I'm not talking about even necessarily receiving things, although it includes that, but receiving just the energy and the life force of life. You know what um, Jesus said, uh, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, meaning your life force energy is really what that meant in Greek. And, you know, if, if, you, if you've got a, a restricted uh, or a constricted um, uh, pipeline with your source because you've got resentments and guilt and, um, and, and, and unresolved, unforgiven energy. Um, it really is like having those kind of, you know, corrosive pipes that need to have, need to be rooted out. And forgiveness is not always easy, but it's, um, it's absolutely necessary and it's not only forgiveness of others but forgiveness of ourselves and also forgiveness of our higher power you know we were raised in in situations where one uh where, where we learned things that weren't weren't helpful weren't true about about god you know and 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 we have a constricted view of of our relationship there right yeah. Give us an example of forgiveness. Again, that's a term that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But um, I think it's important. And, spe- you know, it's not about pardoning somebody necessarily or saying, well, whatever it was didn't hurt or it wasn't that bad or whatever. But what's, what is spirit, what is really the spirituality of forgiveness and how do you do it? I think that the way to do it is uh, the best way is to do it um, by objectifying it, moving it out of your own subconscious and either onto paper or through your mouth and hearing yourself speak it to another person, but um, in a way that's very safe and very um, 
you know, healthy and constructive. So um, one of the best methods I know is to, to, to journal and just to ask, you know, to, to journal out, um, you know, um, all the, all the, all the, all the feelings of, you know, I feel angry because blank. I feel sad because blank. I'm resenting this person because of blank. Um, I, um, the hardest thing about this is such and such blank. Um, my biggest disappointment is blank. My attitude is blank. Um, I've decided blank. Um, um, I believe blank. You write all those out, and when you really get that out, and you, you write down your unexpected, uh, unfulfilled expectations, like um, I wish that this person had done this. Or, I wish I had done this, um, and then you know, write out all those things um, on a piece of paper, or you can speak them to another person. But you've got to be, you know, careful about who. And then get to the point where you can say, okay, why am I unwilling to forgive this person? Get get in touch with that because there's something blocking you. Uh, if I don't forgive this person, what will that do in my life? You know, what 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 negative outcomes might happen, or would it perpetuate in my life? And then finally, writing, why do I want to forgive? And that's when you have the breakthrough. Why do finally after you write the other stuff out? Why do I want to forgive? And uh, I then I either imagine I'm lighting a candle for them and for me and and I, I you know I say I want to forgive you because you know I want to be free I want to forgive you because I don't want to carry this around with me whatever it is but you don't jump to that positive stuff until you clear out the other um, that was always a a problem in my life I, I always tried to jump to the to the good stuff to the positive stuff without clearing away the negative and what is it Kurt Vonnegut said. He said, I, I, I tried to forgive my dad so many times, the next time I'm getting a receipt. You know, <laughs> the attitude, that you, just, you just have to go back to it time and time again. Unless you do the clearing work, you got you to gotta get down and, and get, and really writing out the ugly, the ugly subconscious stuff, not, not shying away from every negative, nasty, hateful, four-letter word, whatever it is, to get that out. And usually I have a little ritual with that. I, I never hold on to those journals, ever. I always burn them, or once I had a, in a house, I had a, a power-flush toilet. Boy, that was a good one. I could, I could <laughs> tie it on a little piece of paper and be very loud. But something that really says to my subconscious mind, I'm letting this go, and I may have to do it more than once or twice or three times. Right. Yeah, that's great. That matters because that's really what frees up the energy. You're talking about the soul as the life force energy. Um, that's what frees it up when we let go of the, the fear, the, the anger, the hate, um, the, that, that resentment, all that stuckness. When we really let that energy move through, then that's what opens it up. And we can then dwell in that uh, greater consciousness for sure. Yeah, and it's not wallowing or marinating in the negativity. It's taking it out like you take out the garbage every week. I mean, nobody would say, well, that's negative for you to take out your garbage. You pick up the sack full of garbage. You should, you should be above that. No, you're, you're taking it out to the curb to let it go. So there's a purpose to it. You're not opening up the sack and jumping in and rolling around in it. That's not healthy. But people mistake the actual handling of the garbage of the subconscious mind and taking it to the curb with somehow indulging in it, which is not the same thing. It really has to do with your intention. If your intention is letting it go, and then, and then I think it's very important to have a ritual to burn it or let it go and certainly not keep it around the house. I remember reading about a guy who was very much about journaling and his, he, he lived in a rural area in Wyoming and his wife had a terrible accident and, um, they, somehow they found his journals and they, they tried to pin what happened to her. It's kind of a sad story on him because they were reading all this stuff that he was journaling out because in any relationship you've got something you're holding on to. It's always better to let that stuff go so nobody else can read it. And uh, and besides, you don't need to have that around. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's about getting it out and releasing it and letting it go and going on to uh, a broader, a bigger life for sure. Yeah. That's it. So we're getting near the end of our time here. Um, but, uh, Greg, what's, what's some final uh, thoughts that you have for us on letting go of that fear of economic insecurity and how we do that or what can, what can really move us into that 
that connection with our higher power around our finances and our material lives. Well, we talked about a few things. One is um, how important it is to have daily spiritual practices um, because you don't get what you want, you get who you are. And so cultivating that relationship with the who that you are by praying and meditating, cultivating that relationship with your higher power, um, and then uh, getting clear on your, your purpose in life, your your vision or mission in life, by trying to identify what do you feel passionate about, um, you know, what, what you're good at and what, what the world needs, and then getting clear on what that is and then letting everything else go and, and, and simplifying your life in that way. And then also letting go of those um, unforgiven, stuck, I guess, I love to call it toxic or rancid memories that that are there in the subconscious. For me, it's mostly journaling them out, although certainly it's helpful in a meeting and or with a trusted person or even a therapist to get those things out. And then, you know, to clear, to clear away so that the flow can move from your higher power, from your source, and, and, and you're not impeding that flow. Right. Absolutely. Greg, thank you so much for being my guest. You have shared uh, such riches with us today, and um, I really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing with us about how to make that connection with our higher power and, and to be more whole and to let that good flow in our lives. Um, thanks for being with me. Again, my guest is Greg Barrett. Our topic is fear of economic insecurity will leave us. And uh, you can learn more about uh, Greg and his ministry, and, and you can – see more of his um, talks online if you go to unitynorthwest.org because he's the minister of Unity Northwest Church in Des Plaines, Illinois. So again, thanks for being my guest today. Thank you for having me as your guest. Thanks so much. It's always good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. And listeners, thank you so much for being there. Thank you for your recovery, for your interest, for your lives, for your spiritual walk. And uh, thank you for tuning in. And you have a blessed week. And we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on unityonlineradio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Never before in the history of humankind has change been so rapid. Jobs of yesterday are disappearing, and new careers are being discovered. Where competition once prevailed, there is now a pioneering spirit of cooperation and creativity. It has been said, real learning comes about when competition has ceased. When we release limiting ideas and fears, we are then free from a competitive living and the way is open for cooperation and harmonious living. By relaxing, letting go, and renewing your faith in positive and good outcomes in all affairs, you can make
like a harmonious difference in your ever-changing world. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.